Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at a big weekend for the Jets, including wins in Dallas and Chicago, plus the Josh Norrissey campaign continues. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it after a kick-ass weekend. That was a great sports weekend. I mean, Sunday morning wasn't so great. I guess I kind of forgot about that. We, we, we don't have to talk about that. A minute of it was great on Sunday. Um, but other than that, that was, uh, I think a lot of people here in Winnipeg are pretty happy. And if anybody's a fan of a Philadelphia sports team as well, they're pretty happy with the weekend that just took place as well because the Flyers keep on losing and the Eagles keep on winning. So if you're a Winnipeg Philly fan, everything's good. If you're a Jets fan, life is pretty good as well after a couple of big dubs on the weekend and some interesting stories to dive into here to kick off the week. So let's get right into it. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by once again. How's it going, T-Dog? Oh, it's going pretty good after that. Pretty, like you said, it's just a sweet weekend of sports, college football, NFL. It was a great slate of hockey, too. And then we won't talk about that one game, but all the other games have been very entertaining as well. So there's nothing to talk about. So yeah. it's not a big deal. We don't have to talk. Like you said, we don't have to talk about it. It's all good. But the, the reason I wanted to bring up some of the Philly sports teams there is because there was, in my opinion, a pretty good comparable from what we saw out in Pennsylvania to what we saw from the Winnipeg Jets in Chicago last night. And fortunately for Jets fans, it was more so the football team than the hockey team in in Philadelphia. But you know what last night's game against Chicago reminded me of? It's like when you're watching a football game and, and basically what we saw against the Packers on Sunday night. But it's like when you're watching a football game and it's the best feeling in the world when your team continuously runs the ball down the throat of the opposition and they know what's coming, everybody knows what's coming, but you just can't stop it. That's what the Winnipeg Jets were like against Chicago in that game Sunday night where their forecheck was just, it was, you know, to, to steal a line from 
former Jets coach Paul Maurice. That was hockey porn. It was just devastating. Chicago just had no answer for it. And again, like the run game, they knew what was coming. But there was no stopping Winnipeg on that night. And, I mean, they, I think it might have been more so just a, a mercy rule that kept the Jets from, you know, over 50 shots and maybe reaching double digits on the night. But I know the opposition played a role in the, the lopsided score there. But, man, oh, man, Tice, that was a thing of beauty, watching the Jets absolutely forecheck and grind Chicago into pulp and into dust along the boards there more than deserving of that big 7-2 victory. But sign me up for about two dozen more of those for the rest of the season. Then we could get then we could start talking about some crazy stuff happening in the playoffs. But that was that's about as good as it gets from the Winnipeg Jets from what we saw out there in Chicago. Oh totally. And that, with all the injuries too, like with no Ehlers and Appleton, just the way that this team's just just grinding teams down, like you said, and it's just it like just watching it makes it fulfills you. It's just so fulfilling to watch. And even some of the guys in the bottom six, I mean, we saw just the top, the top two lines switch centers and we've seen the, some magic already from both of those lines, but more so the bottom six, just that's, it's a prototype bottom six right now. And just the way that they're constantly pressuring you, you're constantly feeling the hits on the four check and Hey, give credit to Chevy too. with finding, what looks like a gem right now in Saku Manalina. Ah, you stole it right out from under me, Tice. It was funny because, you know, we'll, we'll get into that right now. You know, I, I saw, I think it might have been a tweet earlier today saying the offseason pickup of, of the year might have been the, that Kuzmenko kid out in Vancouver. Right. You know, they, they grabbed me as a point-of-game player for basically nothing, right? And I was kind of like, man, why could the Jets get somebody like that, right? Like just, you know, pluck somebody off the street and have them, be an impact player for them. Nowhere near, you know, point per game production. Don't get me wrong there. But man, Sacramento line has been really, really good. Like that, that's that's the kind of guy, you know, in a in a different role and in a different style, kind of like, you know, in a way what Evgeny Svechnikov gave the team last year. Like he's, you know, not gonna be a top six forward for this team, but as far as bottom sixers go. It's delivered a ton of impact this year. And that was a really, really savvy find by Chevy and the scouting staff. Because let's be honest, outside of some diehard Hurricanes fans, nobody knew who the hell Sacramento Lion was before training camp got started. But then give him some credit, too, because after the first game, I think everyone would have picked. was like, oh, this, this big dude here might just be a bit of a player that he had himself his best game in the NHL against Chicago. Yeah, maybe we're starting to see the Jets scouting staff have a area of expertise over in the Nordic countries. I mean, we've seen Manalainen came back. Um, the, the name of his um, his name's just slipping my mind right now, but the goalie they picked up, I believe it's Salmanen, Oscary Salmanen. He's just been lighting up the AHL so far. He's been very, very good. And ever since preseason, he's looked like a solid, at minimum, NHL backup going forward. And then Brad Lambert, too. Like, this is... It's starting to become an area where the Jets are really chipping down some kind of late. I mean, Lambert fell in the draft, but some underrated gems there. It's super nice to see, especially for a team like Winnipeg, where they may struggle a bit to attract some premier free agents. It's nice to see them go overseas and find some some diamonds in the rough there. Yeah, they had to. I mean, especially in the bottom six, right? When I mean, realistically, you don't make any moves all offseason. And there, there might have been a hole or two in the top six before that happened. You had to, you had to try to strike gold 
basically buying a couple of lottery tickets. And and so far, so good with with Menelainen as one. I mean, the other guy that, that we got to talk about, and, and, and really, it's going to be an interesting discussion in the future here, but they, they might have lucked into finding another gem in Mikey Asimont. Yep. Like I, I, I just a fan. I've always been a fan of his game. I thought last year he, if, if they gave him maybe a bit of a shot, he could have made an impact with the team. He's just really effective out there, and I, I do like having a line together with the two wingers being Asimont and and Janssen Fialbi. And if you wanted to put you know Gus down the middle there when he's healthy, that's that's a really tenacious, tough to play against fourth line that that might be able to chip in. A little bit of offense here and there as well, right? Like that, yeah. that's another guy that that's really, really stood out in a big way. And I guess you know, you know, Sam Gagne's taking a bit of a step back, but he was at least you know somewhat solid for the Jets earlier on in the season. But Menelaid and Asimov to me are the two the two big standouts right now. And it's going to be a hell of a decision when everybody gets back healthy here as to who. Who sticks in the lineup and who comes out, right? I mean, even, you know, Jansen Harkins gets a goal in the game against Chicago. He's been great for the Moose this year. He's been pretty solid since he came up from the AHL a few games ago as well. You know, when you need to put Appleton back in, when Nikolai Ehlers eventually comes back in here, I don't know who comes out just yet. Like, I guess it's a good thing they don't have to make a decision on it just yet, but... Man, it, it might be at the cost of an NHL regular or a bigger name, but I don't know how you take Mikey Asimov out of the lineup right now. Like I, I like if it's down to me and even if it's two guys that gotta come out, I think I'm finding a way to keep Mikey Asimov in the in, in the top twelve for Winnipeg. He's providing sort of a Brendan Gallagher light effect for this for the Jets bottom six right now. And he's just been so effective. The four check causing the turnover on that one goal. I mean, he's just coming in hot on on Every single four check, and to be honest, I don't know if Sam. I think we see Sam Gagne maybe come out of the lineup just to see, because as a guy who's been in the league for a while, you might want to start to get those legs, keep those legs fresh for Sam Gagne as the season goes on. Yeah, no, I think definitely Gagne certainly comes out for before Mikey Asimov does, but you know, for, for me, if it's between Harkins and Asimov, I, I think I put. I think I put Mikey still into the lineup, but then we get into some other interesting decisions, you know, maybe a bit further down there. But there's a perfect, perfect example of a guy getting an opportunity. I didn't really expect it, right? Like he's maybe entering the year 15th, 16th on the forward depth chart. And you grab it and you run with it. And and now he's potentially, I, he might be a little bit of a the folk hero here in Winnipeg. May, may, you say Gallagher, maybe he could be Brandon Tan of 2.0, right? Yeah. A guy that, you know, Maybe comes in with a little less fanfare, but gets an opportunity, makes it work, and he becomes a pretty, pretty important piece for you up front. Um, quick trivia question, Tyson. Who leads the Winnipeg Jets right now, if you had to guess, in Corsi percentage and expected goals percentage? I'm going to go with Adam Lowry. You would be incorrect because it's Mikey freaking Asimov. Oh. That's how good the kid has been so far. Stepped into the lineup, done so against some pretty tough teams, and he's been eye test, analytics, whatever it is. The kid's been impressive. So, I mean, it really, that might have been the story of the weekend for Winnipeg is how good their bottom six played in in both of these games here. And we'll get to the Dallas one, and and certainly, what certainly the wildest end to a game I think we've seen in Winnipeg in. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, two days because they gave up three. In, in five I think days. that's the takeaway of this weekend. I think yeah, that... yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that one in just a sec there. But the bottom six as a whole were, were just outstanding. Outstanding in these last stretch of games, but specifically against Dallas and against Chicago on Sunday. So great to see there. And even the top six, you know, give them credit too. It was kind of a team-wide performance against Chicago, let's be fair. But <laughs> the top six performing in a big way, grabbing some goals in that one. And and really the the switch of, of centermen there seems to at least be paying dividends early on. I think for, for myself, the big one was just seeing Kyle Connor play beside Pierre-Luc Dubois when the two were so good together last year. I think that was I, th- I think that's a move that was a long time coming. Glad to see those two back together. But even Shifley Wheeler Perfetti's been pretty solid so far. For sure. Yeah. And that's super nice to see Dubois. It feels like Dubois is kind of starting to go on a bit of a run here. He's just been super effective. I mean, he's been drawing penalties. He's been scoring the big goals when he needs them. And yeah, they're just looking at Wheeler Shifley and Perfetti, man. I think Shifley might score a lot of goals if that line sticks together for an extended period of time because those guys are just the Wheeler and Shifley do just have a certain chemistry where they they do know where each, where they are at all times and just to see that slick little pass to Perfetti on that opening goal and that quick little tuck on Ottinger that was just so pretty to see. That was that was a pretty sexy tuck. Let, <laughs> let's 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 call it what it is. There, the reason Shifley Wheeler have so much chemistry is because Paul Maurice played them twenty nine minutes yeah. a night. For five. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, not really, but kind of kidding. Um, but what what I like the most about those three being on a line together, and I, I I've said this before, you know, having you know Nikolai Ehlers on a line with Mark Shifley is, it in a way almost forces Mark Shifley to be the shooter on that line. Like, he becomes the sniper. The other two are, are more distributors looking to make a play. Shifley's shot is... it. I know Cal Connor can and might score 50. I think Shifley's got a better release than Cal Connor. Like, he's just... It's so good. It's so clean. It's so quick. He just doesn't do it enough. He just, just doesn't shoot the puck enough. That's the only... Really, the only issue I have with his game so far this year is I just... I think if he was able to get three, four shots on net every single game, you might see Mark Shifley pot 45 goals in a season. So that's what I like seeing those three together is it forces Mark Shifley to be a little bit more selfish in terms of throwing pucks towards the net there. Um, one last thing I want to touch on before we uh, switch gears to the game against Dallas and then a few other news and notes around the NHL. We, we kind of joked about it and, and have been joking about it somewhat over the past few weeks here. Do we start talking about this seriously now, Tyson? Josh Dorsey? You have to. Like, uh, 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 <laughs> like, is it now? Because the the kid is just out of this world. He's he's a star on the back end. Like he, I don't even think is he a top pair. Like he's just playing out of his mind, and he's taking games over, and. <laughs> It's funny because he picks up, what is it, three points against Chicago. The play of the season might be him making Jason Robertson look like a 45-year-old yeah. on a Sunday morning after 15 beers, blowing by the second-leading scorer in the NHL, and then justly giving the Winnipeg Jets a win against Dallas on the weekend there. I don't know if we can joke about it anymore because when you're fourth in defensive scoring – and on pace for almost 100 freaking points this year, it might be Norrissey time. 
Oh, it's it's definitely Norrissey time without a doubt. And if we're if we're going back, I think that the hiring of Rick Bonus has benefited Josh Morrissey out of any other player on the Winnipeg Jets. Just going back to some of the stories you heard when he was an assistant back in Tampa, how he was the guy that kind of unlocked Victor Hedman, where Hedman was kind of on the same trajectory as Morrissey. He was having some some good seasons. Some you probably expect a little bit more out of a first round pick. Hedman was obviously a higher pick than Morrissey, but. You know, Bonus just kind of has that little, that key to unlock the defenseman. He did it with Hedman. We saw it in Dallas with Heiskanen, where Heiskanen now, all of a sudden, as almost as soon as he came in with Rick Bonus, he became a top 10 defenseman in the league. And now we're seeing Josh Morris, he kind of take the exact same step as, as those two before him. And he's really entered the elite, elite company of the league for defensemen. And I think Rick Bonus is a big part of that. Rick Bonus is a huge part. I mean, they, they both are, you know, yeah. I mean... I would say Morrissey first, just because he's put in so much work. His, oh, his skating is his skating's gotten it was great before. It's elite now. Skill wise, elite now. Shot is outstanding. I mean, he looks like a forward out there in overtime with with some of the moves he's he's thrown out there on breakaways and everything like that. But you know, I, I, I think a lot of people have read the article from Rod about, you know, bonus and Morrissey and things like that. But the quote is, and to your point of what you were getting at there, Tyson. Um, if anybody hasn't heard it yet, I'll paraphrase somewhat. But Rick Bonus told Josh Morrissey before the season, you're going to be getting top 10 Norris votes this year. When, when the season's done, I want to see your name up there getting Norris votes. And that's, that kind of speaks to what you're going at there with Hedman, with Heisken in it, and now it looks like Morrissey's next in line here. He's a Norris whisperer. Like he, just, <laughs> he gets it, right? Like he... He, there's there's players i mean speaking of the eagles they've got an o-line coach who just like you just get like there's sometimes there's guys like that in in each sport that just have this innate knowledge of how to make good great and great amazing and i i i think clearly rick bonus has the ability to do that with blue liners skill blue liners he's you know with morrissey's own improvements and then with the help of rick bonus he's taking his game to another level here and I mean, let's be let's call it what it is. If if not for Eric Carlson going <laughs> retro twenty seventeen Carlson on the league, you could make the case Josh Morrissey is the leading Norris vote getter right now. Through yeah. through through a quarter of the season, like he's can he keep this up? I mean, obviously that remains to be seen. Kale McCarr is going to have uh, something to say about this before everything's said and done here. But through twenty games at least. It's just it's crazy to say, isn't it, that you could make the case Josh Morrissey has been the best defenseman in the NHL this season. What yeah. he's been able to do offensively for this team. I mean, an all-star nod is a shoe-in at this point. I don't even think we need to, to discuss that anymore. It's just gonna be how many votes does he get by the end of the year? Is he gonna be going to Vegas for the award show? It, it, like it's it's this meteoric rise that I think even the most optimistic Jets fan never could have dreamed of. Yeah, no, it's just it's great to see. And it's exactly what the Jets needed coming into the season for someone on the back end to step up. And he's just done that in spades so far. In spades, clubs, hearts, diamonds, every suit. He's been he's been outstanding. Now, there is something I do want to just throw your way. Just, you know, it's kind of pie in the sky. And it might, who knows? It, it could be something somewhere down the road this year for the Jets. And it has to do with some of the names I touched on there. I, I want to see your face first before I get your reaction on this. So we're going to get into that in just a sec here and um, also talk a little bit about um, maybe the most controversial officiating decision 
from the NHL so far this season, which obviously we have to get to in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL with a big time deal for you guys to take advantage of. If you've been listening to the podcast and if you've been listening to our recommendations here, you made yourselves a ton of money these past few weeks because we just said bet against the Flyers, bet against the Flyers, and guess what happens? They've lost 10 games in a row now, and guess what? It's going to be 11 tomorrow night against the New York Islanders. Then it's Tampa, New Jersey. You get the picture. If you guys want to make some money, head to DraftKings Sportsbook, and a great deal on tap for you to take advantage of. And like I said, Turn five bucks into 150. It's that simple. It's really easy. You can turn small bets into even bigger payouts as well as same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code at THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I mentioned I wanted to get your reaction on something, Tyson. Josh Morrissey in contention, 20 games in for the Norse Trophy this year. The clear frontrunner right now is Eric Carlson, who's playing like maybe the best player in the NHL right now. If the option became available, should the Winnipeg Jets... Make a push if Eric Carlson became available on the trademark. Oh, I mean, it would it would be so awesome for him to be on the team, but it, like that is just it's so much money. And even if you retain half of it, I don't know if he's the kind of defenseman they need right now. Especially, I mean, obviously, whatever you can add an Eric Carlson if he's going to continue the way that he's going to play, you almost have to do it. But. Uh, yeah, I, I, hate, I hate to have too many guys like that on my team. Yeah, no, for sure. But, I, I mean, I guess you could you could package maybe Neil Pionk in that deal. You go Neil Pionk, a first-round pick, some prospects. I, I Maybe I could get down with that. I, that's actually kind of tempting the more after, after thinking about it a little bit. $11.5 million per season. You got... <laughs> You got four or five more years on that one. But San Jose is going to have to retain, right? Like you, you'd assume they have to retain at least a million or two. Tyson, I would jump all over this <laughs> Monday through Sunday if I'm Kevin Chevalier off. I just you, I, I have always been one of the biggest Eric Carlson fans, and I think it was actually last year that I said. Carlson would have a renaissance and and make the all and all that stuff. And he kind of like played pretty good. But then, of course, with him, he got injured and, and missed most of the rest of the year. And then he's just taking it to another level this year. I'm, I don't care. Injuries, big money, don't care. Long hair, don't care. Get him. If, if he's available, you, he, he's a, he's a game changer. Like he would change the equation for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wonder what other people out there think. I know I know a lot of fans are always hesitant. Big money, salary cap, injury concerns, all that. But I don't know. If Eric Carlson's on this Winnipeg Jets team, that's that borderline turns them into a cup contender. Right? You know, like it's it's such a massive move. 
I, I take the risk that comes with it. I don't really care. And to be honest, even if San Jose doesn't want to retain all that much, that doesn't bother me either. The Jets have cap room right now. They can they can make it work. I, I don't know how, how likely it's going to be. There's that no trade, all that stuff that has to be navigated through and all that. But I, I just, for me, it's a no-brainer. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Just kind of surprise you out of the blue with your initial take. You're kind of on the fence, it seems like. I'd love to know what everybody else out there thinks as well on this. Again, at Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewiki, at Skates Place Pod. At Tyson Rewiki. If Eric Carlson was available, what price would you be comfortable giving up? I'm okay with a first Vili Hanela, and if it's Neil Pionk, it's Neil Pionk. I don't yeah. really care. I'm I'm whatever it takes. Find a way to bring Eric Carlson down here to Winnipeg. So we'll see. Ryan O'Reilly, Eric Carlson to Winnipeg. Let's have fun in the in the spring and the summer of 2023. Why not? Dare to dream. Could be a good time. Uh, hopefully, or I guess not hopefully, thankfully, speaking of the spring of, of 2023, the Winnipeg Jets won't have to worry about potentially missing the playoffs by one point because of an absolutely horrendous officiating decision. We didn't really touch on the Dallas game. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. It's been a few days, but we we, we just got to get into it here. It's too bad we don't have a, like a, a bleep or a, a, you know, like some kind of censorship thing here. But what in the F was going on with the referee in Dallas? Like the, it, it starts the, the amused bouche was the puck clearly going a thousand feet into the air out of play. <laughs> The entire Jets team's rightfully stopping playing and the Dallas scoring. Rick Bonus has to burn a, a challenge just to get that one overturned. But, like, what What in the world? Four freaking refs on the ice there, and you can't see a puck skyrocketing 200 feet into the air. Like, it, that that was gong show number one. And then it, it, it's only exacerbated by... I, I just don't I don't get the reasoning behind it. Again, you have two re- two refs and then two other linesmen out there. This was the whole point of having two refs is to make sure you don't miss stuff like this. It looked like Connor Hellebuck was decapitated on the ice. And the referee saw that and let play go for five more seconds. Like, what are we doing here? They, like, <laughs> when, when a player gets their helmet knocked off, it's put it back on or go to the bench. When a goalie gets his helmet smashed off his head by Jamie Ben, it's oh well, good luck out there. It's just like mind-boggling that play was not immediately blown dead there, and Dallas gets a chance to tie the game there. In a funny way, it's it's five empty net goals given up by the Jets in two <laughs> games at that point. But I don't think anybody's going to blame Winnipeg for number five on that one. But holy crap! It, I mean, thankfully. Morrissey scores in OT there, or God, Rick Bonus might have picked up a seven-figure fine heading to the podium after the game if he would have dropped a point or two against Dallas because of a call like that. Well, and even you said it, they, it might not affect the Jets' playoff chances, but it, it took away the the Stars would have gotten zero points yeah. if they don't score. Instead, they get a point, and who knows? Maybe that one extra point could end up being crucial. But it's it's crazy. Like, who... Like, I don't get how you could watch that play. Any hockey, every hockey fan saw that and was like, oh, better blow the whistle. Oh, they haven't blown the whistle yet. 
Wait, yeah. pucks in the net? Why is this a goal? Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, they must have blown it, but like you just couldn't pick it up through the through the mics or whatever. Yeah, right. Like it's like, and even like I forget who shot it for Dallas for the point there, but even he was kind of like, should I shoot it? Like, yeah. like everyone on the ice was like, this is, something's not right here. It, it's. And it's funny too because, and they they did it again when they reviewed the play. But you know there were certain announcers out there and stuff saying, "Well, as we watch this year, Morrissey clearly hits Ben into Hellebuck, and that's what causes the helmet." Yeah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> like, sure, Morrissey hits him into into Hellebuck there, but the helmet is off completely, and it's off immediately. And it's not like at that point, you know, Ben tries a wraparound and the puck goes in. Like that, that's a little more gray area, right? If it's like a bang yeah. bang play immediately after and the puck goes, Ben gets the puck behind the net, circles around, two passes are made, and then after that, his shot is kind of, I guess I'll throw it on net now. Like there was so much time that elapsed there. Yeah, it's, I, I just, I've never seen anything like that. Like I, that 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 goes up there with the to me, the Matthew Shane offside, that you know like that was eight hundred feet offside and necessitated offside challenges becoming a thing. Like it goes into that pantheon of horrendous missed calls. It, it, it's just crazy. And on a more serious note, like thank God Hellebuck wasn't actually hurt. After, like it's, I don't think enough people are talking about how bad the call was and it was terrible, but it's like extremely scary. For especially a goalie to be that long without his helmet on out there, with the play kind of going in and around him, it, it, the whole thing was just a complete mess. And again, you know, is the NHL going to do anything about this? Because they they just don't really seem to care. And yeah. you've got all these betting deals too. I mean, God help anybody that bet the Jets money line and regulate like that's that's not it's, right. Yeah. Like that, it's it's it's. I can understand the fans that watch watch NHL games and see that and go, "This is why I don't bet on the NHL," or "This is why I don't take the NHL seriously," because it just calls like that can't happen. It can't happen. And even there, even the explanation that came, it didn't make any sense. So yeah, so more as he pushed him in. Where in the rule book does it say that that negates a player's helmet coming yeah. off? He's, that, yeah, he's fair game now. Yeah, that that's not that's not how that rule works. And then, yeah, even like you said, if he would have wrapped it around, and even if, let's say, Sagan put it in after he passed it, let's say that one, even that one is a little bit borderline too, but for Sagan to get the puck, hold it, spin around, dish it back, like, I I just don't understand where, and the rule states that when a goalie loses his helmet, unless the scoring chance is immediately after, you have to blow the whistle. So if I could see that if if Sagan goes and shoots that right away and they don't blow it, I totally get that. As soon as he made a move to put that puck back to the point, it should have been played dead right there. That's wh- that's when the play should have died immediately. Best sport, worst league strikes again. Yeah. It's it's just crazy. It, it's so bad. It's so bad. And that, again, the NHL just doesn't care though. That's the thing that that's kind of what bothers me the most out about all this. Like if the NHL wanted officiating to be held to a higher standard and and for the games to be called correctly, they would do something about it. But yeah. nothing had like that crew's not going to get punished. Not nothing. No change is going to come out of any of that because like just they don't care. Like oh, well, well. It's like, 
it's like the Tim Peel situation when that all happened, and the NHL's response was just, oh, well, that, I mean, that probably shouldn't happen, but, the, I mean, we do like when the refs call the game like that. Like, what? You just admitted yeah, no, they, that? Yeah, they're just like, oh, they heard it. They they heard the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Like, that's that's the only thing that happened there. So it's, again, the only good part is that the Jets win the game. You're right. It does give Dallas a point they didn't deserve, but the very least you get the W and, and, and the Josh Norris, he campaign takes another plus. So, I mean, it, it kind of worked out okay in the end there for the jets um, three points back of Dallas now for tops in the division with three games in hand. So things getting kind of spicy for Winnipeg in the standings at the very least two, there's some pretty clear separation right now with the top three in the central division. And then the rest of the, uh, of the division battling out for the wildcard spots there that that's really important. That there's this five-point cushion right now for the Jets ahead of Minnesota and ahead of St. Louis. And they've got games in hand on both of those teams there. So if you can stay nice and comfy in that top three, you don't have to worry uh, too much about grabbing a playoff spot come the uh, middle of April there. So we'll, we'll, we'll forgive for now, but we won't forget NHL officiating. We will not forget the injustice that took place in Texas on Friday night there. Um, just a couple things I want to get to quickly here before we wrap up the episode, Tice. Some some NHL news and notes before we look at the week ahead for Winnipeg. And and this is kind of a, a news and note from Monday here. T- is, is Tage Thompson the best player in the NHL? Like what every time every time I watch a Buffalo game or every time I turn on the highlights, he does like he's just insane. It, it's it's crazy too how Buffalo has maybe like the two biggest outliers athletically in sports history in Josh Allen and Tage Thompson <laughs> guys that like were garbage in their early, early, early careers when, you know, all evidence points to these guys being, you know, they're, they're just not going to amount to anything at that level. All of a sudden, you know, Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. Tage Thompson is a freaking superstar. I mean, Buffalo's not going to win Buffalo's not going to be very competitive all, all season long, but like, my God, he's, he's great. Like he's, he's a psychopath. He's so good. Yeah, no, like, and just like his hands too, like some of the yeah. movie pulls off. My God, it is just absolutely insane. And to think too, that the Sabres locked up Tate Thompson to a seven year extension just this past summer. And a lot of people were thinking, Hey, it's, it's a little early. Maybe you're taking a big risk on, on a guy and, Kevin Adams is just laughing right now, just going like, you guys didn't know what I didn't see yeah. what I saw. We've got an absolute just stud of a power forward. I mean, the one thing I will say is I've been seeing uh, and I've hearing on a couple broadcasts them saying that he's six foot eight. I don't, not, I don't really know where that came from. All of a sudden, he's but, like, uh, he's, like char- <laughs> like he's just getting bigger and bigger each day. He started in St. Louis. He was six five. Uh, last year he was six six, and you know by the end of the year, six foot ten Tage Thompson is just under. But yeah, yeah. The the only person, the only one regretting that that contract extension is, is Tage Thompson because yeah. he he might be looking at double digits if he uh, if he wanted to bet on himself a little bit there. But I guess he's he's probably feeling pretty good that he's got fifty mil in the bank coming over the next decade or so. So I think he'll be just fine. But I I, I just had to give some love to him because he's just. And great for a, a team and and a fan base like Buffalo, who's just had nothing good go their way for so long. To like, you have a superstar that just fell into your lap. <laughs> like yeah. you just here you go. <laughs> he's just like out of the blue. Like oh yeah, he's 
he's Jack Eichel. Like we we traded Jack Eichel and got one. So that that's I I I can I can uh, I guess I'm jealous a little bit of 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 Buffalo to just you know, oh cool we've got a six foot nine superstar center on our team for the next ten years or so. So great. Well, for that. And a lot of people were saying early on in that trade that the Blues absolutely fleeced them. I mean, I mean, yeah. the Blues aren't, Blues aren't going to complain about getting that cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, it's a it's a, one of those rare win win trades in the NHL, and I could definitely see Buffalo kind of taking a Detroit leap next year. I think they're just they're just a couple pieces away. That back end's locked in for the next little while. Tage Thompson's been unreal. Jeff Skinner's all of a sudden back to being a 30, 40 goal scorer. It's things are looking up in Buffalo. Yeah, they're like the prototypical one year away team. Yeah. They're they're like they're not this year it's not going to work for them. They're going to be like you don't want to play them. It's going to be tough. Um but next year, yeah, I agree. I mean, that division's a that division's not right. <laughs> like for, for Buffalo and Detroit to kind of, you know, look like they're about to take the leap here, maybe even Ottawa potentially if they ever get a blue liner there, but then Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida's like the forgotten team now. It, it, yeah, the Atlantic's a bit of a bloodbath right now. So, uh, thankfully, Winnipeg got sorted into the West, not the East. I think we're I think we're pretty okay with that decision right now. Uh, the, the the last thing I want to touch on in terms of NHL news and notes here, just going back to the Jets game Sunday in Chicago. It, it, it was a good start to the year for them, but holy crap, is Chicago awful? That's a that's a bad team. That's a really bad team. Yeah. I, I was, you know, I, I'd seen a little bit of them earlier on in the year and they were a little more, they, they, they were, they were kind of tough to play against. And sometimes you see that happen with like bad teams. They'll just start the year at a, at an okay spot, but Oh, that's a tough watch. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. If Patrick Kane's a hall of famer, all that. I, you're not, you're not paying me to watch any more Chicago games this year. For for the Jets' sake, you know, hopefully they've got a half dozen more matchups against Chicago and ten or twelve points in the bank ready for them to go. But oi, oh, that's they they wanted to do it, <laughs> and, and boy did they succeed at making that team awful because they are going to be bad, bad, bad for a long time. Oh, just so terrible. And even like when you see Jujar Kahara getting power play time for your team, watch out you are going to be a sweller dweller for a long time and just going back to this past offseason with chicago a lot of the moves they made were i mean i get what they're doing they're trying to get as many assets as possible to build towards the future but you traded kirby doc who was taken in the top five two or three years ago third overall for for first route for the 13th overall pick i believe and it's i just don't understand and Kirby Doc's taking a step since he's been in Montreal I really like I just I get I understand that you want to get as many assets as possible but man like you gotta have some pieces and Kirby Doc could have been a nice nice piece for this team going the forward block you, you yeah. those like yeah. like, like it's not like he's some 26 year old that no you know he's not gonna be a right 20 years old like you, you 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 got him like that that's the whole point of having guys like that a deal made no sense to me at the time and it's it's worked out even more poorly for them oh well too bad suck at chicago hope you enjoy <laughs> the next decade of stink couldn't happen, couldn't happen to a better franchise I, I don't feel bad for them at all but it kind of brings me to my roundabout point here in a morbid way i i really think i'm not going to watch any of these teams play but in a morbid way 
it is a fascinating race to the bottom of the standings of the NHL this year. Like it, there are some horrendous hockey teams out there right now. I, I, I don't think Ottawa is going to be in contention for that. But like, I think they're going to start to play a little bit better. Um, right, right now they're hovering dangerously close to those teams there, but Philly, Columbus, Arizona, Chicago, and Anaheim. Wow. It is going to be absolutely whatever the opposite of electric is. <laughs> that's what that battle is going to be to finish with the best odds for the number one pick. I don't, I don't know who my front runner is right now. It's just crazy that one of those teams is on a 10 game losing streak. And you're like, that might be the fourth worst team in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like that, you can think that's got to be sort of the parody in this league now because of the expansion teams, right? Just some teams are just, you're running out of having those NHL caliber forwards. I mean, if you watch any Flyers game, even the Blue Jackets right now are going through some injury concerns too. And it's just like, I don't, we were just chatting before the stream started and I was watching the Columbus Vegas shootout that I, and I said, their fifth shooter comes out of like, who's, who's Trey Fix Wolanski? That's not, yeah, you, you can't convince me that's a real person. <laughs> he comes in, I mean, of course, you get stopped, but I, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy looking at some of these teams, some of these lineups that are going around the NHL right now, and just thinking, like, I don't remember teams being this bad a couple of years ago. That's a fair point. They, there's like, there's all, there was always like the Arizona, like the one, there was always a team that's like, okay, they, they suck and are trying to. Yeah. But and, and the crazy thing is a lot of these teams aren't trying to and they're that bad. <laughs> you know, I saw the, the the Flyers tweeted out their practice lines today. I was like, is this the, the, the Phantoms? Is this their AHL? Oh, God, no. This is their NHL team? Ugh. And that's what it was like seeing some of the guys out there for Chicago. Like, and, Yeah, I mean, no no offense <laughs> to take yeah. the rank on Juju Arcara. When you see him out there for your power play, you know your team's in trouble. <laughs> no offense, but... You shouldn't be out there on the power play at the end. But yeah, it's I, I I don't know. I think the last ten or so games of the year, it's it's gonna be like a it's gonna be like sicko time, but like I'm kind of intrigued to see just how bad it gets and who ultimately stands out on top. What's your prediction? Who finishes who finishes dead last this year? If you had oh, to pick I'll give you five seconds. That is a tough one. Uh I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the Blackhawks. I think, especially after Kane and Taves get traded, I think that team's just that team's gonna be awful. I think it's Chicago. I, I just couldn't believe how bad they were. Yeah, it was shocking. And they're and they're and they're trying. They're gonna be getting worse. They're yeah, like they're, they're gonna shamelessly trade anybody with value at the deadline. There. So all we can really hope for is that if Chicago finishes number one, one, two, three teams hop right on over them, and you get. You get the fourth pick, or maybe you take Mitchkov and he stays in Russia for the next 75 years. Either way, <laughs> not sending any good vibes out there to that organization. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a tough watch all season long for uh, for Chicago and for a bunch of other teams as well. But not for the Winnipeg Jets, thankfully. And not for a big week ahead for them as well, which is uh, what we'll get to in our next episode here. That'll do it for the show here today. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. When we get back at it, we might do it at a different time, actually, because we've got ourselves a bit of a heavyweight tilt this week. Tomorrow, Tuesday night, another measuring test game for the Winnipeg Jets against the Colorado Avalanche coming to town for the first time this season. 
Oh, you're gonna say something there? Yeah, you, you... I was just—I was gonna say a lot of big mo coming in after this past weekend for the Jets is gonna be an absolute slobber knocker on Tuesday. There's a lot of mo going on, a lot, and, and, it, and it's not Pomo, but it's it's big mo right now in Winnipeg, and so we might have to, yeah, we might have to get together. And I, I, I see the Jets play Columbus on Friday. I, I don't know if anybody wants to. <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to spend twenty, thirty minutes listening about that. So. So maybe we'll switch up the schedule. So just stay tuned for that this week when the next episode comes out. Jets play Colorado on Tuesday, then Columbus on Friday night. But until then, stay safe and have a great week, everybody. We'll get back at it later on right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks again for CJOB's Tyson Rewicki for stopping by. I'm Brandon Rewicki. We'll talk soon, everybody. Peace.